We got the antidote to Captain Fist just in time. He's resting now, but I'm sure he'll wake up soon. Oh, thank the stars. Now we can finally explore the submarine. Well, this is a research station, not a submarine. Well, I figured out the whole station can go underwater, hence submersible. Hmm. You know, there may be weapons on board, something around here that could help us fight off Jack's followers. We'll need all the help we can get. We have standard issue space-grade pepper spray. I don't see how we need anything else. These decommissioned subs always have a few surprises. We should at least check it out. Hey, uh, what, what about this? Put it down. We only have so much space. Fine. What did you do? I put it down, like you said. <sighs> we need to get out of here. If that ruptures the hull, there will be a lot of uncomfortable explosive decompression. Hey, there's a few escape pods over here. Help, help me drag this thing. I don't think the increase in frequency is a good thing. Let's close the door and fire this pod. Nothing happened. You, you pressed the button, right? I pressed it. I'm, I'm Did pressing we press it. the button? I'm pressing The button says escape pod release. Well, that sounds about right. Let's check the computer. Oh, that's not good. Well, what is it? In order to fire, the escape pod must detect a biological sample. You mean to tell me... One of us must go save the others. Well, how are we going to decide? Seniority in the company? Like that means anything. Only because I outrank you. I've been in the running for employee of the month yet again. Okay, I'm thinking of a number. You tell me if it's odd or even. Odd. Even. Close. I appreciate your sacrifice for the crew. Your heroism will not be forgotten. Hey, wait a minute. How do I know you didn't just change your number? Wait, what? Yeah, you have to write the number down, then I'll guess well, it. I don't have a pen and paper on well, me. isn't that convenient? I, what of us I have to... I, I have to... <laughs> oh, you know what? Yeah, <laughs> it just needed a biological sample. <laughs> wow, that was close. Very close. I guess we're good down here. Ready to check on Captain Fisk? Are we just going to gloss over the fact that we both nearly died? Uh, I'm good if you're good. Yeah. Um, let's head back up. Maybe we should listen to a Serendibite or something as a mental palate cleanser. Sure. Why not? <laughs> And that's how seaweed is pollinated. Ah, nature is an amazing entity. From looking up at the night sky, to taking in an ocean breeze, to seeing how reproductive cells are spread around. And we're back, broadcasting from our studio on the pale blue dot we call Earth. We've got a great short for you today. That's right, Charlie. Today we dive into submarines. Get it? Dive? I, I get it. Because they go underwater. It's fine. It's very punny. Okay. H.G. Wells, the English writer, once said, I must confess that my imagination refuses to see any sort of submarine doing anything but suffocating its crew and floundering at sea. They do more than that, by the way. We'll mm -hmm. see. I mean, I'm sure they flounder a little bit. They might. Now, 
A summer, especially early ones. A submarine may be defined as a watercraft, oftentimes a warship with a streamlined hull designed to operate completely submerged in the sea and is typically equipped with torpedoes or missiles. These crafts can be manned or operated remotely with the use of robots. Robot submarines. What do they think of next? I will kill all human. Oh, wait. No, no, no. Shut down. <laughs> I will kill most humans. It's better, but... <laughs> Still no. Interestingly, a submarine, no matter the size, is always called a boat, never a ship. This is in part to the fact that earlier submarines were small and launched from ships in the same way lifeboats were launched from ships as well. I didn't know that. Although they are called boats, the U.S. Navy gives the designation of USS, which is United States ship. The Royal Navy of the U.K. also, I mean, like, of what other country would the Royal Navy be, right? <laughs> there, there are kings and queens around the world. I'm sure, yeah. Somewhere. Mm-hmm. Also gives the designation HMS, which is Her Majesty's ship. Or His Majesty, if there's a king reigning. Mm-hmm. But right now, Queen Elizabeth is... Regardless... When is, the, when is she going to retire? Like. <laughs> She's eternally majestic. <laughs> she's going to live for a thousand years. She's an eternal angel. Yeah. Maybe she's going to go into cryostasis. <laughs> Who's to say? And st- with just her body. Her head's going to be like above the pod. <laughs> <laughs> like Futurama. <laughs> <laughs> so the term submarine literally translates to underwater and in English is typically shortened from submarine boat to simply submarine. The shortening and meaning are the same in several other languages, such as German, Swedish, and Russian. Hey. Hey, Charlie, I just thought of something. Okay. Why do Norwegians put barcodes on their warships? Why? Because they Scandinavian. (laughs) That's a good one you wanted to laugh. Is that what I sound like to other people? (laughs) (laughs) I don't like being fed my own medicine. (laughs) Scandinavian. All right. There were stories of submarines that existed in the 1500s, 700 years ago. However, the first reliable account of an actual working submarine comes from 1620 in England, and the vessel was propelled by oars. Mm. Now, several patents came in the next century, in the 1700s, including one in which leather bags could be filled with water to sink the submarine, and then the water would be squeezed out in order to cause the boat to resurface. Like physically punching the bags in order to move the water out of it? Yeah, pretty much. I guess, they, you know, strong guy underwater was like... <laughs> <laughs> with a, like a handlebar mustache, yeah. like a tank top going like, Pants I'll get up to this his belly done. button that are striped. He's yeah. Like, <laughs> Bully. <laughs> Bully. The award for the first use of a submarine in war goes to good old Merck. Merck. 1775, David Bushnell designed Turtle, which was the first device that was propelled and operated independently underwater, albeit by hand, by manpower. So that was two years after the Boston Tea Party. Yes. Hmm. Coincidence? Maybe. Uh, yeah, maybe. Yeah, probably, yeah, it's it's probably a coincidence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was the first. <laughs> <laughs> like, was it a conspiracy? No, no, actually. But it was the first to use a propeller. It was used to attach bombs to Royal Navy ships, by the way. Mm. America. The next big innovation also came from an American, but one living in France at the time. In 1800, Robert Fulton built the boat called the Nautilus for the French army. It was actually quite successful and functional. It had the ability to carry bombs, attach them to enemy ships, and allow the sub to retreat to a safe distance before the bombs detonated. That's important. Yeah, that's very important. (laughs) Otherwise, it's like a one-shot, one-opportunity kind of thing. It's like a suicide bomber. (laughs) Yeah, it would be an early kamikaze. 
In one test, the sub also dove to a depth of 25 feet for one hour. Additional air could be carried down that could extend the time for at least four hours. So that's pretty impressive given in 1800. Yeah, with like virtually no technology. Yeah. Just technology just starting to develop. So Fulton requested an audience from Napoleon, and between the request and actually seeing Napoleon, the Nautilus had begun leaking. So Fulton had it dismantled and destroyed the proprietary parts. Just because it was leaking? He didn't fix the leak? Well, he was going to rebuild it. But anyway, this made Napoleon think that Fulton was trying to scam him and considered the use of submarines to be suicidal based on the disassembly of the vessel. I mean, it wasn't a good look. I'll give him that. I'll give you that. It's a bad PR. Yeah. This was all in spite of the fact that Fulton had run several successful tests and had several eyewitnesses that it was, in fact, safe. After being turned down by the French, the British offered to pay Fulton a substantial amount of money to build a sub for the Royal Navy. However, the British won an important naval battle against Napoleon shortly after, and that sidelined the whole project yet again for Mr. Fulton. So after being set back several times, Fulton became frustrated, as anyone would, and left his paperwork and plans in England and said, you know what? I'm going back to good old America. So he just gave up on the whole submarine idea. I mean, you know, he was this, if he he was was like, this close. Hey, this king, emperor guy. No, he's really short. Okay. British. Hey. No. no you already want to Okay, fine. You know what? I'm going home. <laughs> but anyway, uh, he left the plans in England and uh, they remain unnoticed and unpublished until 1920. That's crazy. So Ron Paul, American politician, physician, this guy. and author, it he said- should have been president. Should have okay. been. <laughs> I think a submarine is a very worthwhile weapon. I believe we can defend ourselves with submarines and all our troops back home. This whole idea that we have to be in 130 countries and 900 bases is an old-fashioned idea. We can just- Love you, Dr. Paul. Be in the ocean at any point. Right. Smart man. So the first successful sinking of another ship happened to Americans by Americans. Wait a minute. How did the... Yep. Mm -hmm. The Civil War. A Confederate sub sunk a Union ship using what sounds like a makeshift torpedo from a keg of gunpowder. Once again. Boom. (laughs) (laughs) They were still working on the logistics and like the dynamics and everything. Propeller technology for torpedoes was not very advanced at the time. Unfortunately, the Confederate ship sunk as well. As the crew was killed instantly from the shock wave of the explosion, if you can believe that. That's sad. <laughs> they did not think ahead. No. We're just going to tap you with a boom. Oh, we're too close to the boom. Yep, yep. So all of the previous boats relied on human power, but that's not always reliable and definitely not efficient for long-range travel. The following decades ushered in the use of mechanical power, such as diesel or steam engines that could create electrical power to propel the vessels. The weapons became more effective, too, as the torpedo developed into a self-propelled weapon. And probably some of the most famous submarines that came out of this era were the German U-boats used in the First World War. Probably some of the most terrifying World War uh, remnants that still Mm -hmm. exist. They had a range of 5,000 miles and could travel up to eight knots, which is roughly nine miles per hour. Now, this is underwater and... At the time, virtually undetectable or very difficult to detect. Pretty good for the time. Yeah, that's amazing. These boats were also not completely submarines as they stayed on the surface for the majority of the time, only diving to attack other ships. How terrifying would that be? Like, oh, there's a boat. Where's it going? Did anybody see it? Poof. (laughs) Uh, This success changed dramatically 
in the Second World War as the casualty rate for submariners in U-boats rose to 70%. As the technology advanced. For the other side, yes. Yes. (laughs) By the 1950s, submarines started carrying nuclear weapons and were able to be propelled by nuclear power. Submarines are inherently camouflaged by residing underwater, i.e. they're very difficult to find. Sonar can be used to find a submarine, but the ship emitting the sonar gives away its position, and therefore it's not always the best idea to use it. I actually didn't think about that. Yeah. Bing! What? Did you guys hear that? Yeah, it was from over there. (laughs) (laughs) For most of war history, submarines had difficulty sinking other submarines, although there are some accounts of it happening. Normally, submarines can only find and attack other vessels on the surface. So at this point, you may be asking yourself, how do submarines work? How do submarines work? I'm glad you asked. It's basically as simple as pumping water into or out of the submarine. More water in means heavier, less buoyant submarine, so it sinks. Less water in means lighter, more buoyant submarine, so it rises. Now, this problem with bo- or the problem with buoyancy when diving, however, is buoyancy is not a constant. So as a submarine dives, the pressure on the hull rises, right? The the water pressure increases, it pushes in on the hull. Mm -hmm. The internal pressure remains relatively unchanged as the sub dives, but the pressure from the water causes the hull itself to become compressed. So the pressure causes the hull to get smaller, which presses on the internal pressure of the air in the ship Mm -hmm. or the boat, sorry, submarines or boats. This How in, dare you? I'm sorry. This in turn decreases displacement of the submarine because it's taking up less space, causing it to become less buoyant because it's less space with the same amount of mass, ergo more dense. And this causes the whole thing to sink. So as the sub sinks, water density increases slightly. So it's sinking into a more dense substance, but not enough to compensate for the compression of the hull itself causing the boat to sink even faster. So it's going into denser water, but it's getting compressed more and more, and it's just sinking faster and faster. So that was a lot to say that a submarine tends to want to continue sinking or continue floating. It's very difficult to keep a submarine neutrally buoyant. That's a good way to say it. Yeah, there you go. Now, Edsker <laughs> Dijkstra, Dutch computer scientist. I like it has said the question of whether a computer can think is no more interesting than the question of whether a submarine can swim. So how is a submarine guided? How is a submarine guided? I'm glad you asked. There are several hydroplanes, which are also known as control surfaces. You may think of these as the fins or rudders you've seen in photos of a sub underwater. Usually these control planes are at the rear or stern of the vessel and some over the midpoint of the boat, either on the bow or on the sail, which is the top tower um, on the main body of the submarine. The rear control plane was a T-shape for a long time, which makes sense, right? Yeah, absolutely. Turn the vertical fin left to right and the horizontal fin up or down. So more modern subs tend to have an X configuration for the rear rudder. This allows for less stress on the rudders when landing on the seafloor, as well as allowing for control even if one of the lines gets stuck. Smart engineering. Looking out for everything. Subs have been propelled by human power, compressed air, steam engines that used coal, chemical reactions, which were pretty ingenious, uh, gasoline, diesel, and now... Nuclear power. Can you imagine coal? (laughs) I got the black lung pump. I'm underwater. I'm dying so fast. The evolution uh, was about safety somewhat, 
but mostly about how long the submarine could stay submerged. The chemical reaction propulsions, known as AIP or air-independent propulsion, were invented by Narcisse Montreal of Spain in his sub called the Ictinio Dos. <laughs> Two. I don't know. <laughs> he realized that steam engines... Seems so confident with that. <laughs> Speak a little. He realized that steam engines, whether powered by gas or diesel, required atmospheric oxygen to function. To combat this, he developed a chemical system that ran on peroxide, making it safer for the crew, and the reaction itself provided its own oxygen. So most subs have a single hull or outer shell. The earliest versions and some modern submersibles have this single hull. It was realized around World War I, however, that the optimal shape that could deal with this pressure creates a lot of drag when going through the water. So this led such to... Such a drag, man. Such a drag. This led to the advent of a second hull placed outside. Uh, the inner hull is called the strong hull or the pressure hull because it contains the pressurization for the inside of the sub. The outer hull is called the light hull and is designed to be more hydrodynamic. Did that blow your mind? Because I, I was like, when I was looking this up, I was like, what? And now I'm like, oh, it makes sense. Okay. There's a shell to make it more mm -hmm. hydrodynamic. It's a lot of layers. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of layers. Depending on the design, the whole sub could be covered with an outer hull, or there could be only segments that have an outer hull. The inner hull may also be segmented from, for room for the crew, gear, or weaponry. And one of the biggest issues with hull design is slight changes, such as to make the hull stronger to defend itself, or to be able to dive deeper and withstand greater pressure, those changes can vastly change the buoyancy of the entire vessel. And this is still being researched to find out the best pros and cons of more or less material. So what about civilian subs? Have you ever been on one? You know, I like Baldinos more than sub. Oh, sub. <laughs> Not that kind of sub. But a lunch break does sound uh, great right now. I'm pretty hungry. Uh, <laughs> so I've been on a civilian sub. Oh, have you? Yeah. So when uh, my wife and I were out in uh, Hawaii, there is a... Why do you have to say it like that? <laughs> Hawaii. Well, if you know, you know. <laughs> uh, off the coast of uh, Honolulu is a civilian sub that you get to by boat, and it dives to about 100 to 105 feet. That's, that's significant. Yeah. And so you get to see the uh, wreckage of uh, planes uh, from, uh, I believe, World War II. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. So Like it, Pearl Harbor? I believe so, yeah. Oh, man. That's yeah. dark. So it wasn't actually like the battle was like there, but they brought planes that were scattered around the area, and then they made them into permanent reefs for the oh, fish. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, that's a good recycling, yeah. I guess. But it was uh, very surreal so, like, you take a boat out to the sub, because obviously the sub can only come so far inland, and you get into the sub, and then you go down uh, the main hatch, and then there's just, like, this long corridor that, you know, you sit on either side of this, what looks like a bench that you'd find at, like, you know, a bus stop or something, uh, like a train stop. Mm -hmm. And after, like, everyone sits down, like, they do, like, a prep, um, they check all, like, the... Um, gas sealants and everything in the sub and then they finally close it and you can hear it and then like it locks. I bet that's the creepiest sound ever. It's weird because then like you feel like the pressurization inside the cabin um, almost instantaneously 
And then when you start diving deeper and deeper down, like you start feeling the pressure more and more. So it's almost like the reverse effect of like flying in an airplane, right? Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, there's windows all on the sides. They don't feel like you're claustrophobic or anything, but it's just, it's a very surreal experience. Cause like it's, um, it was super quiet. Like, did you have to do anything like scuba diving, like pop your ears every so often or anything like that? I was able to pop my ears and they had recommended like once you get down to like, you know, 75, 80 feet, then like, you know, it'll be easier for you to pop your ears. Yeah. Hmm. But no bends came back alive. Good. Yeah. yeah that would be painful. Mm-hmm. So there are actually a few dozen submarines used by civilians. Most of these belong to the same folks who have their own yachts and cost around a million plus range. But I mean, there are, t- I think at least two civilian subs are used for public um, tourism. Oh, okay. And then one of them happens to be on uh, Hawaii. Hawaii. Yeah. So there is a British uh, one-man sub that's all electric and only costs about 19000 but it's more of an external scuba suit underwater, um, kind of like a scooter hybrid than it is an actual sub. Have you seen this thing? Yeah. Yeah. As I, I wouldn't, if I had an extra 19000 just lying around, I wouldn't mind. It'd be mm-hmm. pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. So what happens to the crew if a submarine is sunk? Which is, you know, the primary goal not to get sunk. <laughs> yeah. You're already sunk. <laughs> yeah, You're going to be screwed if you get yeah, sunk. That's permanently sunk. Because the sub is pressurized in relation to the air pressure above the water, the crew are at a very high risk of decompression sickness, a.k.a. the bends. Yep. Yeah. So. Have we talked about the bends before? Should we describe what that is? Yeah. You want to talk about it? So as you're breathing atmospheric air, you have a certain amount of nitrogen dissolved in your blood. Mm-hmm. When you go under pressure, that nitrogen becomes pressurized, right, when you're underwater. So there's more and more pressure pushing nitrogen into your blood to dissolve it more because nitrogen is not exactly soluble in blood, but it can be pushed into blood mm-hmm. to become soluble. So if you decompress, if you have all this pressure on your blood, pushing the nitrogen in, and then all of a sudden there's no pressure, all this nitrogen literally bubbles out of your blood and you have all these air bubbles circulating around in your circulatory system. Very painful. You have all these bubbles everywhere. It can stop your heart. It can uh, cause a pulmonary embolus of air, an air embolus. Uh, it's just very not pleasant disease or issue. Mm-hmm. So that's why you always have to surface slowly. Yes. Yeah. Now, most subs have escape vessels and some even have escape suits. That's comforting. I, I didn't know that, but I mean, that makes sense. There are also rescue vehicles that exist for submarines. The rescue vessel can extract the submariners at the same pressure in the sunken sub, or those being rescued can be placed in a decompression chamber. Also good to know. So how about some saturated statistics suited for submarines? Is this going to be like a thing now where you just do like alliteration? You're just realizing in season two. I mean. (laughs) Light speed six. I'm crafty. Okay. I'm a quick learner. <laughs> <laughs> the deepest known dive of a submarine was made by the Trieste, an Italian-built sub that reached a depth of 35,797 feet. If you're not American, that's 10,911 meters. That's a lot. That was back in 1960. Wow. It dove into the Marianas Trench at the Challenger Deep. The periscope, which seems analogous to a sub, at least for me, that's what I always see, you know, guys inside a a submarine you're looking at the periscope that was invented in 1854 by a French inventor, Edme Hippolyte Marie Davy. Now the U S and Russia are neck and neck for possession of the most submarines. Sound travels faster through water than through air. 
Because of this, submarines use sonar with a noise level up to 200 decibels. That's loud. So that could be enough to cause sea life to uh, beach themselves to escape the noise. Yeah. Do you know how loud a motorcycle is? It was like a hundred decibels. Yeah, about a hundred decibels. So twice as loud. As well, I mean, like it's on the log scale, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's it's proportionally way louder. Yeah, at two hundred decibels. So one of my favorite facts to date of the our entire podcast in eighteen in nineteen eighty one, a Russian Soviet whiskey class submarine ran ashore on some rocks in Swedish territory. There was an investigation of what it was doing, where it was, and the vessel was stuck for 10 days before being tugged back out to sea by Swedish forces and being returned to the Soviet forces. The best part, you know what they called the kerfuffle? What? Whiskey on the rocks. Nice. Now we'll leave you with a quote by Kevin McDonald, a Canadian actor. Everyone's got to make one submarine drama in their life. It's time to hunt for the Red October. And that's our short. We hope you enjoyed it. Remember, we exist within the universe. And the universe exists within ourself. We're all the stuff of stars. So have a stellar day, everyone. And thanks for stopping by our corner of the cosmos. This has been the Mid-Flight Crisis Podcast. You can support important spaceship repairs and maintenance by subscribing to the Mid-Flight Crisis Patreon page. We'd love to hear your suggestions about the show and future topics, and we appreciate your support, ratings, and reviews. This endeavor isn't possible without amazing listeners like you. Thanks for sharing your space and time with us. We'll see you on our next adventure. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Drop us a line at intrepidtransfer at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.